Welcome, dear listener, to season four, episode nine of Weekend at Crombies. This evening, we will be looking out at figures in a landscape. Good evening, dear listener, to uh, episode 45 of Weekend at Crombies. Uh, my name is Hugh. Later on, I might consider a parting, a going of ways. I might, but not now, because I'm lonely. <laughs> and I am Dr. James Evans Esquire. I've lost my hat. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> So, uh, without further ado, shall we jump into Figures in a Landscape, 1970 British 1970. film starring yes. Robert Shaw and Malcolm McDowell. Robert Shaw, Malcolm McDowell, directed by Joseph Losey as well. Uh, um, yes, um, I'm already going to have to pass over to Hugh. Yes. Um, I don't know if, if, if uh, listeners are aware, but I have had a uh, potential stroke since we last <laughs> recorded <laughs> the, the podcast. So uh, Hugh's going to do even more heavy lifting uh, than usual. Um, yes, if you thought James' <laughs> recollection of the plot was bad before, um, now we had a stroke to add to that. <laughs> stroke victim James Evans yes. tries to recall plotless film. But don't worry, James. I shall be your plot recollection. Other people can, you know, can uh, can dress you and uh, and <laughs> for you. I will remember films. That's my, that's my part of the caring package. This is all true, by the way, listener. Anyway, let's let's <laughs> move is, on. This is, this is something incredibly poor taste. James is sitting in the hospital bed right now, scooping out his jelly. Um, Look, in, in his in his backless robe, but nothing, he is podcasting. Indeed, you know, nothing stands in the way of a weekend at Crombie's recording. I, I watched this on a day when I had a migraine, so I, I'm not quite sure I'm going to be able to remember anything that happened in it. But there we go. I've got to put some notes down. I'm thinking the and last not, thing we needed for your recollection was a stroke. <laughs> yeah, no, my recollection isn't the best anyway, is it? Yeah. <laughs> well, you never know. Maybe it'll be like, you know, autistic kids that can draw incredible cityscapes from memory I like, yeah so there's a movie in this now you've, you've had your you have cluster migraine now you just you've got you can photographic memory of every it's film rig, it's you know it is it's called regarding henry it's do you know what i was thinking of regarding henry yes that's a rubbish film it is a rubbish film but it's about a guy who has a stroke and becomes like oh no he doesn't he becomes disabled yeah, it's no, not we, that at all, is it? It's, it? It, 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 it has to learn to be himself, and he finds out the man he was is not the man he likes. Yeah, it's rubbish. <laughs> but it was Harrison Ford's stab at you know the uh, the serious roles. Yeah, that witness. Witness wasn't a serious role. He killed a man in a grain silo. <laughs> That's not a serious movie. Death by grain silo. It's about the Amish. It's got to be serious. It's not really about the Amish, though, is it? It's not like an in-depth look in the Amish. It it's Harrison Ford running around in a in a straw hat, punching people and dropping grain signers on them. Tell you what, that sounds and, and amazing Kelly how McGillis you describe that. Is, is Kelly McGillis <laughs> having a very, uh, very erotic Amish bath. I am watching that when we have finished. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you what, I just dismissed it. I love Witness. Witness is a great. Yeah, it's a great film. Yeah. It's a brilliant book. It's the whole. It's that exact. It's the kind of film I love. Um, when it's like you know, detective finds something's rotten, goes to a superior. Yeah. Have you told anyone else about this? No, sir. Just you, because I trust you. Good. That's all I needed to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, he gets an attempt on his life in the next scene. Is like, who? Yeah. Who could have done this? Yeah. Who's trying to kill me? <laughs> <laughs> I'd better call my boss and tell him he's the man yeah. I trust. Oh, it's brilliant. 
Yeah. Right. But we're not the witness. <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. Yeah. This isn't the witness episode, though. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, maybe, ooh, now, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll pivot and pick this on the fly. But um, I given the witness was an enormous success. Maybe not. But <laughs> regarding Henry, less so, though. Yeah, but I, 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 don't, I wouldn't injure anything regarding it. <laughs> the only thing that did me want to eat a lot of Ritz crackers. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that was, I can taste them now. I think, do you, do you think Harrison Ford was paid in Ritz crackers? <laughs> He's got a fetish for Ritz crackers. Because you know the reason why like the first word he spoke was Ritz is because he, um, his old character was having an affair um, with his colleague in the Ritz hotel. That's where they met. And that, that's where he was heading. Yeah, that's night. right. Not but, because he, not because as a real life person, he has um, shares in the Ritz company. No, but I'm just thinking like, so they, he said Ritz because he was thinking of the hotel, but they thought he meant crackers. So the character eats a lot of Ritz yeah. crackers. But like yeah. was negotiations for product placement, like did like, what if it said Waldorf and all of a sudden Henry's surrounded by Waldorf salads, just little bowls <laughs> of walnuts and mayonnaise. It's like, he's, he's eating nothing but Waldorf salads. Not healthy, but he's funny. That's the first one he said. Is it's Waldorf. what he wants. <laughs> Give him Waldorf salads. Keep chopping the apples. <laughs> Henry was his walnuts. No wonder he had a stroke. <laughs> surrounded by mayonnaise, just gallons of <laughs> his care has his big jar of mayonnaise. It's, just it's not that it. healthy, is it? The Waldorf salad, salad isn't that well, healthy. I think as a small salad, it's quite a tasty appetizer. If you have it as your main form of sustenance, it's well, if you have it, if you have it three I times a day, including at breakfast, it's got walnuts and apples and grapes. They're good for you. Yeah, well, it's the mayonnaise sauce, it's really. It's the mayonnaise that's going to cause you the, the heart attack. Low, 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 low fat. Like mayonnaise, though. I don't know. I think, oh, well, could I sustain a diet wall of salad? I'd give it a go. Without further ado, we begin with Figures in the Landscape. And when we say it stars Robert Shaw and Malcolm McDowell, it stars them and pretty much only them. Yeah. We, uh, we begin, and it says exactly what it is on the tin. We see two figures in a landscape. Um, and Jeez. we see a lot of this. There's a lot of two figures and a lot of landscape. So two men, we don't, we don't know, and we never really know what their situation is, whether they were escaped prisoners or prisoners of war or... Yeah, we know nothing about them. We know yeah. absolutely nothing about them or their situation other yeah. than that they are together, they have their hands tied behind their backs and they are running. They're running like hell. They, 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 I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't have got past the first reel. They are going for it. <laughs> they are going for it. I can't have to have a breather. I mean, also, it's so hard with your hands behind your back because, of course, it your lungs hard. are... I mean, yeah. it's hard to run like that anyway. Anyway, so... And it gets harder. Oh, yeah, yeah, there was, uh, we'll come to they that. They were climbing mountains. But... Yeah, yeah, so they're running through this, I guess it's kind of like either um, Central American landscape or maybe Eastern Mediterranean, so it's lots of kind of scrub. And yeah. kind of, um, I, 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 I presumed in my head it was Latin America. See, I was thinking more like Greece, Balkans, that kind of place. But ah, um, okay, yeah. That one. There's goats and a goat herd. There's your, there's yes. your, there's your, your grounding yeah. place there. Um, but they're they're running for it, and um, you know, very early on, we so we learn that uh, Robert Shaw playing Mac um, is is again he's the old the senior member, and he's he's disdainful of of his of his buddy. They're clearly not close friends. They seem to be thrown together by yeah. circumstance. He's kind of you know chiving on saying, "Oh, the youth for today. This is nothing. You you probably raised in a bottle and this kind of stuff." You yeah. kind of sense that he is both doing this to to. He's goading. he's goading he's, he's goading he's goading yeah. ansel is malcolm mcdowell's character name because yes. he's a much younger man and yeah. um, he's goading him to get him to do it. he's also probably saying it to boost himself up so he can yeah. keep going it's very much a, a te technique he seems to be using rather than just being mean for no reason um but they've they've kind of they've got away and basically they, they they spend their time running their hands are tightly bound collapsing and making yeah. it from from cover to cover we, i've imagined that they've escaped i mean it's never explained but i've imagined that they've escaped from some military compound or or they're pr prisoners of war or, or or something and 
they there was an opportunity they took it and that's why they're together even though they they aren't really partners if that makes sense exactly it's something like i don't know they're the lawyer they're in they jumped out of it that yeah way. exactly yeah they, 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 don't, they, don't, yeah, they don't have the demeanor of say criminals no, um, no they, they, they do seem like ordinary guys um make to try in their play so yeah. off they go um and the first again big incident is um how i say when i say they don't act like criminals answer or mac um robert shaw's character clearly has a bit of something to him because um and this is where the fact they maybe have some military training comes into play because their first sighting of someone else is a very old goat herder so they take cover and mac is like um to ansel you've got to help me deal with him and ansel's just like no um so yeah. clearly <laughs> Ansel's by deal it. by deal we mean you know comeuppance yeah, he's gonna kill him he's gonna kill his yeah. old goat herder. and and bear in mind so he disappears off camera but it's certainly well it, it actually happens we don't see it but mac with his hands tied on his back managed to somehow kill uh, a goat herder with his <laughs> yeah that's feet. sure i hadn't thought of that <laughs> it's like i mean it's, it's no, and he, he even comes back and he um though it's obviously a very cold-blooded thing he's done he comes back and he's very angry and clearly quite emotional because he's saying to ansel i shouldn't have had to do that alone it was yeah. messy i hate a messy death yeah. so he's clearly also moved but um and he doesn't actually get anything out of it either. that's the thing that they, they were hoping the guy would have a knife so they could cut their bonds all they said he had was um some dried tobacco and a picture of his grandchildren so that's that's quite poignant um, <laughs> yeah but, it makes it worse doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, he has so, goats as well he has a good but you can't do much with a goat i mean you could have if, if he, he didn't kill the goats, he wasn't, you know, that crazy to go through each goat with his feet. Yeah. <laughs> the goats wouldn't have a knife either. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, so they, they carry on and they reach a village, um, at which point, um, was at this point the... Uh, the uh, no, no, before they reach a village, um, this thing, we, we should say, uh, as these characters are running for it, we also see a, a black helicopter. It's yeah. the 1970s. It's a very, very basic helicopter, but it's, it's very basic. Thing, yes. Well, it's it, the quinta. It's the quintessential um, paranoia in terms of the you know the black helicopter, the the yeah. the the. the the thing that follows you around it. and it's relentless isn't it it is so it's it's been it's been scanning the landscape and it eventually kind of catches up with the yeah. two of them and in fact it, it surprises them so much um mac is actually shouting that he took my head off i could have kicked like a football um, yeah and it really so close. does <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's close and it's because it's um obviously a helicopter it, it's rotor blades are bearing down on them literally it's, it's pushing yes. them down so it, it um it kind of goes at an angle doesn't it when it flies it goes at an angle and the blades are almost chopping the ground yeah, and you've got yeah. ansel and, and um and mac running as the helicopter is right behind them so it's not like it's up in the sky it is right on the ground following them and they're jumping with their hands behind their back into crevices and into holes and falling over um I wonder whether you could do that nowadays. <laughs> it seemed very dangerous. <laughs> oh, that's true. Um, <laughs> I'm sure movie magic worked out. They probably had yeah. you know, extras to have their heads cuffed off. But again, they, they're they're part. I mean, they, they we should say we never see or hear from the helicopter pilot yeah. or whatever. We, we we have to infer what their business is. Yeah. But um, Ansel thinks it's basically toying with them, um, yeah. and Mac thinks he's trying to pin them down so that they can be picked up by by ground forces. But think about again, think about the um, the the lorry driver or the truck driver in Duel. It's yeah. that you, you never see you never see the driver or you never really know the um, the reason behind what they're doing. It's just that the helicopter is doing it. That's yes. it. Yeah, it's, it's what they infer for it. Um, yeah. And 
again, Ansel, it's, it's almost the first time he's genuinely upset by this because having been you know, a capable individual who can who drags, um, oh sorry, Max seems very upset. He's just dragged Ansel along. He's killed the goat head with his bare yeah. feet. He's he's almost had a sort of a glimpse of his mortality as the rotor blades went past him mm. and seems very shook by this. But they they carry they wait for it dark and they can slip away unseen. So they make it to a, a village who now found the goat herder and he's a funeral is being prepared for him. So um, the two of them sneak into the house uh, where the, uh, the goat herder was laid out um, with kind of various bits of bread and things laying in his coffin. And uh, an old woman his is widow, kind of, his widow his is widow there. Is sort of yeah. sitting in state next to him, just staring yeah. blankly, even though she's apparently compass she's not clocking any of what they're doing no she looks like she's in a kind of a, a state of bewilderment almost yeah. isn't she in a so, trance yeah so they, they get to work ransacking this house they manage to um they find a razor blade to cut their bonds they find actual shotgun uh, or winchester rifle they um they find tins of food as they, they and change of clothes they're all they're all geared up now and they've and they've got enough to go but um Mac can't resist reaching into the coffin and grabbing a loaf of bread as well, which Ansel warned him not to. It's quite a, and, and by doing so, um, she kind of wakes up, doesn't she? Screams. Yeah, she does. Yeah. In a terrifying way that wakes the whole village and sends the two of them running for the catacombs to try and avoid the big hue and cry that's been raised up. Um, and then again, Ansel is berating Mac for, for doing such a stupid thing. And it is quite established by this point that Ansel is the thinker. Um, Mac yeah. is clearly the stronger. He's the brawn. Thing. He's, he's born not maybe not you know ansel's a young man but uh, yeah. mac mac has has the res- resilience and the, the will because he's he's um he's greatest generation and mac is a, and ansel is a boomer so that's kind of the, the difference between the two of them um so ansel has gone to war before and, and mac is clearly a, a young man drafted into it but ansel thinks about things and mac does yeah. not he just does it and he just he, does it yeah he does it and either again he just sits there so i'm gonna eat my bread then aren't i <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's kind of stuff. so but they they continue on their their escape they've um They've now got a good deal of supplies, and at which point um, Mac is prepared to dissolve their their alliance and and, and head their separate ways, divide up the food and go off on it. Um, Ansel manages to to barter because he remembered a can opener, so he, once again he thought ahead, so they can actually eat the food. That <laughs> yeah, Mac's just got the tins; he can't yeah. open any of them. He's smashing them with a rock, so he's making, <laughs> he's making it a different shaped tin. <laughs> he, can't, he can't get into it. Um, I would say most of what they have is condensed milk. I'm thinking, yeah, if, if, if that's what you're living on, oh, but, uh, yeah. Um, as, as we as, as we see later, when um, having some system of condensed milk, they both have to drop their trousers and noisily yeah. <laughs> avoid their bowels in the bushes, um, which proves to be a bonding moment for them. But it we'll does. come to that. But um, but yeah. So Ans- Ansel once again has the turn open and says, "Look, I just want to come with you." He says, "I'm lonely," which is a really strange expression because really, is, isn't what it? he should say is, "I need I'm you because scared. You're str- I'm scared." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we work better as a team. We're on our own here. But lonely is an odd way to, to phrase yeah. that. Um, but nonetheless, he and Ansel decide they'll stick together for a bit longer. Their goal is to get to the mountains. We don't know why other than that is their goal. Um, yeah. So they've agreed to stick together. And um, again, come dawn, the helicopters found them again. But when Ansel has now worked out a plan whereby he will flap around and get his attention, while um, Mac, who now has the rifle um, and the helicopter doesn't know this, will take a shot to fuel tank and blow it up. Um, and Ansel, oh, sorry, Mac at the, the last minute changes his mind and instead shoots the co-pilot dead who falls out of the um, the, the helicopter. And the helicopter, of course, then flies well out of range. Um, I mean, it's it's a good example of Mac not thinking yeah. and Ansel thinking because it, 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 Mac, Mac effectively does that to, to show the helicopter pilot and co-pilot, you know, it's a power play, isn't it? Exactly. But that, it doesn't yeah. help them. 
Yeah, Mac Mac wanted to show his dominance over the, yeah. the helicopter pilot, but of course, yeah, it it, it helps him in the short term because Mac they is get, overjoyed. They get another gun, don't they? You get another gun. They get cigarettes. They get yeah. watches. Like he's overjoyed in looting the body and this kind of stuff. Yeah. But it doesn't. But the helicopter was still there and still chasing them. Was if they'd gone for the fuel tank, they would have neutralized their threat once yeah. and for all. So it is. Mac tries to pass off saying if it had blown up, it could have killed you too, Ansel. But I think it is the fact that Ansel had the good idea, and, um, and Mac once again was 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 going off his gut. He's the one who's capable of shooting the helicopter yeah, he but he yeah. didn't think about what to do he went for the power of yeah. um but at this point this is probably the high watermark because they now have um food and yeah. clothes and a gun each and and they're fairly you know rested and and well fed um and even you know smoke a cigarette and, and reminisce about them times gone by so you, you um, find out that ansel used to work at fortnum and mason yes and, uh, was quite a ladies man which which mac does not approve of whatsoever no, he doesn't does he <laughs> He has this whole thing about the permissive generation. They should have never yeah. invented the pill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, although, again, we'll, we'll come back to, yeah, Mac, Mac then later reminisces about a story about how he had his wife under the bandstand. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, again, the, this certainly follows a bell curve of their fortunes because it starts off um, pretty bad. They man- Once they yeah. get free, get armed, get food, get, get clothes, it, it's this is the high water mark, but then um, they run into trouble, which is basically a whole like army division scouring yes. the landscape yep. for them. So they have to kind of toss away what what, rent, what possessions they have and and make a break for it. The helicopter then arrives and starts firebombing the field. So now they're they're in a field that's on fire. They have to kind of crawl through the the, the water and the muck to get free. Um, Ansel loses his gun. They lose almost everything they have. Um, and they they're in a right old state, having been swept away down river just to escape the fight. It's almost like Vietnam at the point. Yeah, the fields yeah, are on fire. Yeah, yeah. Ansel is belly crawling through the ground. Yeah. Uh, the, cameras, Boy- the cameras right down the eye level as well as they're crawling through it. Mac Mac is less disturbed, but clearly losing his mind because he he finds a little snake as everything's getting <laughs> yeah, does, yeah. and has a whole little chat with the snake saying, "Go off, little fella. You you can't yeah. get rid of it." Like, yeah, yeah. There's a point. There's a point in the film where Mac he kind of transitions from tough guy to slightly bonkers yeah, and i think yeah. it's the again i think it's the snake scene yeah he, and his laughter suddenly changes as well he starts, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's what his laughter becomes very odd yeah yeah um so Did now you like that impression yeah it's very good i mean it wasn't it wasn't anthony hopkins but <laughs> <laughs> i was genuinely convinced you were mad <laughs> um so at this point they're, they're in a low point um they make again they find another village slash compound where the helicopter is actually set uh, so they make another chance to basically have a raid on that for more supplies um at which point um ansel is forced to sneak up on one of the guards and cut his throat with the razor they've still got which get greatly disturbs ansel because that's the first life he's taken yeah um there's a big old shootout um where they uh, they put a few holes in the helicopter but don't disable it. The, the, the gunmen are chasing them and they basically make a, a break for it again. End up going up the mountains where it's raining and they're so exhausted at this point. I mean Ansel just gets stops half of the mountain in the rain and just screams, "I need to sleep." Yeah. Which it's it, it, it's one of those points. It's one of those scenes where they've got no food. They've got no um they've got no means to sustain themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's no real goal except yeah. to get to the mountains but yeah. that's just you know but then what yeah um it's chucking it down um yeah they've not slept they've got people chasing them and you're watching it thinking this this can't end well yeah. i mean yeah. you know and you can really see, I, mean, I feel like at that point you feel what the characters might be feeling which is utter desperation 
Yeah. And again, um, Mac, again, he actually, funny from his, his earlier, at the beginning of the film, rather berating Ansel for not being tough enough, does say, yes, you can sleep, but you can't sleep here. We've got to get into cover. So he drags yeah. him yeah. under the, under the under sort of a half cave under the mountains where they collapse. Um, <clears throat> and then Ansel essentially has a bit of a breakdown because he's now the realization that he's taken a life is, is getting to him yeah. and he's, he's, he's crying out, which again, Mac pulls him into a big old bear hug um, to try and comfort him. Um, and then once they, once they clap, um, Mac goes with this long soliloquy about his, his wife and his past yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And the soliloquy law, it actually, it, it transitions into the final scene as well, doesn't it? So it's, yeah. uh, it, it, it took, I mean, that, that final soliloquy must go on for 10, 15 minutes almost in, in, in breaks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at which point they make it so high up the mountain they're in snow now and they they both go they both see their destination we don't because we're looking at them and the camera is very deliberately not showing us what they're seeing yeah it does very very long time yeah it's like they're looking it's like oh we gotta go it's like is is, is that ours or theirs and it's like not theirs it's like what the hell are you talking about (laughs) um so eventually we realize it's some kind of border crossing it's a border crossing or a garrison of some kind yeah Yeah, the the guards are very strange because they're kind of they're not standing in in guard formation they're kind of like scattered around with with snow goggles and machine guns yeah Um, and they they look a little bit futuristic but they do look sinister as as well don't they so yeah, you're not yeah. quite sure if they're going to get whether they down. are friendly because yeah, the, the guys who are chasing them are in very kind of 1970s gears like kind of yeah, soldier helmets yeah. and fatigues yeah. and regular guns they're just our soldier boys chasing them and um, whereas these guys they they're in berets and snow goggles and machine guns and, and yeah and they're, and they're just standing there and they can kind of almost point their guns and when ansel throws his rifle away they go okay um that's that but it's 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 an odd collection because you you kind of think okay they're probably okay and yeah. and they probably are okay except that the helicopter returns and just um, at the, just and at the mac, wrong time <laughs> yeah mac decides to have one last showdown so he runs from safety with his, his submachine gun and decides to have one last duel with the helicopter mm. um which he doesn't come off better from because the helicopter's got some kind of machine gun mounted pod um yeah. which which completely shoots him to ribbons and he doesn't he puts a few holes in the screen but doesn't doesn't win his battle and and that's it he yeah he dies in ansel's arms um and that's the end yeah. of the film and it's almost that that um that final scene is the it's the battle between the helicopter and mac isn't it so yeah, yeah. The, the helicopter doesn't fire on ansel yeah, um yeah. ansel is free i guess to walk off um to safety and you kind of see him doing that but, but yeah. the which which maybe gives you a bit of an indication of perhaps mac was somebody who they were searching for for a reason and ansel was just there if that makes sense you know oh yeah just, no, think of that you, you, you don't they, know because they put a lot of effort into capturing the two of them and then they yeah they can't let them cross the borders so they yeah. just open fire yeah exactly um but the, the, yeah that is the end of the film i mean and then the the camera work in, a, in what is obviously another helicopter somewhere um <laughs> flies off and you see the 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 huge um you know um space of the the mountain range beyond them so they are really in a big mountain range <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. i mean i don't know where it was filmed but um it was filmed in the sierra nevada ah okay that makes sense yeah it's um it's i'm guessing again we'll come to the the uh the start of it this was one of the first films to pioneer this kind of aerial shots because my goodness yeah. he does a lot of them there's a lot of them yeah there is a lot of them in that yeah well maybe we'll come on to that maybe we'll come so again that that was the the, the, the fairly rapid uh synopsis because it's uh it's plot light you could say for a yeah. two-hour film um but there's uh, there's lots to dig into that so dig into it we shall if you will join us after the break
Welcome back. Welcome back to Weekend at Crombies as we look at figures in a landscape and we'll, we'll kick right off by asking James, why did you choose figures in a landscape? Well, I think the first thing to say on figures in a landscape is that the, um, the title of the film uh, if you don't know anything about it, you think, oh, is that a Merchant Ivory film? Is it? <laughs> is it? Is it? Is it uh, I thought about, it was about art, to be honest. I thought, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Could it be about art? Yeah, exactly. No, it isn't really any of those things. Um, why did I choose it? So I, a um, couple of months ago, I had a, a week off work and I was rummaging around um, a secondhand bookshop in Ashby. It's quite a nice one in Ashby, actually. It's got it's got a good selection of kind of curios and and, and old very old books um little paperbacks uh, as well and, and um i came across figures in a landscape by barry england um i liked the cover of it it was one of those kind of pet not a pet like a pelican classic really kind of sparse uh, cover and it just has a picture of a um like a a target symbol with uh two figures in it um on an orange background i thought oh you know what i'm i've got a week off i'm gonna read this book this is what i'm gonna do this week and um i thoroughly enjoyed it um it's kind of right up my the the book was right up my street anyway um and uh i was doing a little bit of um after i'd read the book i was reading around the author because i hadn't heard of the author before and it turns out he hasn't really written a lot that was his biggest um his biggest success and it wasn't a huge success when it was published in the 60s um but i did see that there was a a, a film version of it by a director who um has made one of my favorite films of all time um so the director is joseph losey and the film is the servant um which stars dirk bogart and james fox uh, as a kind of psychological thriller where james fox plays uh, a london aristocrat and he hires a manservant um played by Dirk Bogart and over the course of the film the roles shift um and Bogart becomes um the kind of the man of the house as it were it's a fantastic film it's absolutely okay. brilliant really atmospheric very much worth watching I mean it's of its time certainly but um it's an excellent psychological thriller quite dark nice. as well yes yeah, so it's really good that. yeah and uh, so I was slightly taken aback by the fact that um, Figures in a Landscape, the film version of a book that I had just read and really enjoyed, was directed by um, a, a, a very, very uh, famous director who's you know very big in the 60s, predominantly made films in Britain, although he was American, and that starred both Robert Shaw and uh, Malcolm McDowell um, in early roles. I mean, Robert Shaw wasn't unknown, it has to be said, but yeah. um, it's three years before he made the sting four years before the taking of pelham one two three and five years before jaws and malcolm adell had filmed if in 1968 but it was still a year before clockwork orange hit the screen so you know yeah relatively new yeah yeah relatively new yeah exactly and i was um, quite shocked looking into this thing again i thought i'd assumed robert shaw had a much bigger filmography than he did he doesn't though does he he doesn't you just assume because you know his big roles you think well clearly he's in loads and loads but he's not and he died when he was 51 yeah he died yeah he in 1978 he died yeah he didn't he didn't he didn't look in his his late you know late 40s early 50s in his final films he um he aged like he was a hard drinker so that ages you a lot it does and i was i was i actually was reflecting on this when i was watching the film when robert shaw made figures in a landscape he was my age was he he's the same age and yet in the film i consider him to be much older 
That's true. So, you know, I don't think despite it... that you 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 buy the fact that he's in incredibly good condition too. That he's capable. Oh yeah, of, you do. Yeah, doing I, this. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's a he's he's a um, someone with military physical conditioning who's yeah. in their early fifties or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. You know, that that's what I think. But no, he was forty two. Oh, <laughs> like wow, he looks he looks. I mean, people aged differently in the sixties and seventies, didn't they? It's all the smoking and drinking they did. Absolutely. Um, so you know that's why no moisturizer they see <laughs> no it's, it's, it's all cr- it's moisturize he didn't moisturize that's it yeah uh, the, the other interesting thing as well which which attracted me to the film is that it's it's robert shaw's only screen writing credit as well yes he was uh, quite a novelist wasn't he he was a novelist yeah he, pu- he published quite a few novels um he was i think actually robert shaw we say he doesn't have a, a, a particularly uh long filmography he was uh a very well regarded stage actor as yeah, well yeah. and i think that was probably his first love um so he, he, I, i'm sure i read something somewhere that he said film films enabled him to explore his passions which was writing and um the theater yeah you know, i do so, remember he said he did force 10 from Navarone, which yeah. paid his taxes and that was it <laughs> exactly yeah exactly and i think that was his last film wasn't it or one of his last films anyway that's I quite one. like force for 10 yes, from Navarone, but it is rubbish it's not good it's not rubbish in a, it's rubbish in a good way though isn't it yeah yeah i'd watch it again yeah yeah it's watchable um so uh, obviously none of that would matter if figures that's in the landscape was coming in there isn't it? So that's a lot of, uh, of, of of different threads pulling together yeah yeah definitely uh none of it so I was attracted to it because of all of those threads, I guess. Robert Shaw, Malcolm McDowell in in their kind of big pre-fame era. Joseph Losey is the director. It was an adaptation of a book that I'd recently read, which I really enjoyed. I wanted to see how it would be filmed because the book is very um, insular. It's 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 written from the perspective of Ansel oh. and it is effectively an internal monologue. Um, with very, very few um, conversational points in the film. It's very interesting. Uh, sorry, in the book, I should add. The film is slightly, it has to be slightly different, obviously. And I think that Robert Shaw's screenwriting credit probably comes from a lot of the, um, not, ad, it, not ad-libbing, but um, the, the, the kind of, the, a lot of it was um, ad hoc uh, and um, on the set, as it were. So he was given a, a screenwriting credit as a result of that. Oh, okay. Um, so he, he, what he done, he sketched out the, the role, he sketched out some of the conversations and then ad-libbed through it. Um, and in the book, really, Mac says almost nothing. You know, he has like three words. And all you, all literally all you know about Mac is through Ansel's um, internal monologue about the descriptions of him and what kind of person he is. But he only knows what kind of person he is because of what he's seeing. There's nothing in the book about um his wife there's nothing in the book about um ansel's history at fortnum and mason there's nothing um which makes it even more kind of ambiguous and weird actually um and yet you still buy into these characters so the film has to do it differently so i was really interested in that but none of it would matter if figures in a landscape is one of the quintessential chase thrillers of the 70s or 80s right it, you know yeah. it wouldn't matter because we wouldn't choose it then because it'd be well known but this film is almost unheard of yeah. um, despite having two actors who went on to be some of the biggest actors of the 70s and a director who isn't the most famous director in you know ever but has a strong canon behind him um and we found it for free on youtube so no, not even anyone wants to make money off it no one wants to make money on it you know it's distributed by 20th century fox so it's not it's not a small 
yeah. um, it's not a small production company. You know, it's it obviously I, I don't think it has a massive budget. I, I think you can probably tell it yeah. doesn't have a massive budget. But nevertheless, I think that it, helicopter, no, helicopters weren't cheap back then. And, no, uh, they, they were better no. hire an army and set fire to a mountain. I, I suppose they do. Yeah. And they, they and it was all um, filmed um, on location as well. Right? So yeah. studio work and it's all yeah. filmed on location. So. All I of wonder that. How, how Malcolm McDowell and Robert Shaw got on with each other because clearly they had to spend a lot of time yeah, each other's company clearly. acting together. And oh you've you got to imagine there's a huge chunk of the film with their hands are tied behind their backs. Mm. And that must have, when you imagine retakes and everything, it must have been agony. Uh, yeah. And I, I bet Robert Shaw wasn't the easiest person to get on with. <laughs> I, I don't know. You, you know what I mean? I, just, I, I, I just get the. Well, he might have been was, lovely. You don't know. Could, I don't know that. That's be, fair enough. That's could have been enough. absolute treasure. Um, but it was work. actually that um, he was the second choice. The first choice for the film was Peter O'Toole. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Which I don't think would have worked as well because I think Peter O'Toole looks too fresh-faced. Certainly, in the nineteen seventy. Yeah. 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 Whereas uh, Robert Shaw, I mean, he, you can easily believe he could, he would go off and kill someone kill with his feet. <laughs> Well, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I had no doubt at all when he said, "I'm going to deal with this person." Yeah. What was going to happen and how it was going to go down? Yeah, exactly. You just, you just knew. Oh my God, he's going to kill a man with his feet. With his feet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. So yeah, that's what, that's why I chose it. Okay. I mean, it wasn't. I, I mean, I as you know, Hugh, I tend to have a predefined list of films um, yeah. in my back pocket for for weekend at Crombies for the year this wasn't one of them at the start of the year it was only because I'd read the book and then realized that it was a film and had a lot of these interesting points to it I also just like the sound of the film is you know it's a it's an interesting premise isn't it yeah, having yeah. read the book how on earth could they film this um what would it be would it be t- 10 minutes long I don't know I can't figure it out um and I think it works in some ways there are some ways that it doesn't work which we'll come on to but yeah that's why I chose the film anyway very good. Well, let's get into the analysis, and uh, well, I'll just kick us off by saying that um, there are there are themes and and thematic uh, resonances throughout the films we choose, and this is not the first time we've reviewed a film that has an odd couple on the run. We've done Runaway Train. Yeah. We've done yeah. Too late, the hero. Yeah. We've done Nuns on the Run. Yes, <laughs> but, <we have. laughs> but I was going to say, if someone was to mash together Runaway Train and Too Late the Hero, you'd have something not hugely different from Figures in a Landscape. You know what, Hugh? That's really weird that you should say that because that's exactly what I've written down here. <laughs> I, I'm joking. Maybe we've been doing this for too long. I have said, I've said that this is a bit of a mash of Runaway Train, and I think yeah. that's because of the helicopter element of it. I mean, it's you know, there, there is that element and the wilderness aspect of it, yeah. and Too Late the Hero with the kind of survival aspect of it and. The 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 threat process as well and the kind of i suppose the military there's a military tendency in here as well even though it's not explicit we yeah, there there's army this shooting this kind of stuff do you know what i i completely forgot about the helicopter and runaway train um yeah there is yeah yeah but but yeah because i now remember that's the finale but what i took from it in terms of um runaway train was it's just that relation between manny and buck and the fact that you have the, the younger um yeah. the younger man depend on the older tougher wiser guy not wiser but you know more more knowledgeable worldly. Uh, uh, more well more worldly but also perhaps more unpredictable yes as well so yeah. manny manny and mac are i think cut from the same cloth aren't they yeah, yeah. Uh, although manny is a is is a slightly different character in that he's a he's a convict yeah. and i don't think mac is a convict but they are unpredictable in their in what you you don't i don't know that you can really predict what they're going to do i mean that is the definition of unpredictable isn't it just describe that <laughs> they're unpredictable in that you can't predict what they'll do but you're right there is that you, you can uh ansel um and i guess to some extent buck make what you consider to be 
reasonable decisions about yeah. getting things. I mean, even if um, Buck's quite silly, but Ansel's not. Ansel, Ansel is certainly our POV character. He is, he's us, again, if we were younger and able to run that far. He's making reasonable choices and doing the best he can in the situation. Mac is is off on a different level. He's he's trying to, you know, he's wild. He, well, he's saying, he's, he's saying, you know, I'm in charge. I make the decisions. We're going for that mountain. And at some point, Ansel just goes, has anyone ever made this? And yeah. you don't know, do you? You have no idea. And um, Max got no answer. He doesn't know, but he's pushing on. And that's something that, that maybe Ansel couldn't have done is just have the grit yeah, to say, could, look, yeah, you're right. do it. Yeah, he could, yeah, you're right. And, because and, Ansel uh, would think about it and rationalize it and think, no, this is not possible. Let's just and we'll give up. Yeah, yeah, Max is like, we're doing it. Let's just do it. Mac, yeah, Mac pushes on. And that's that's one of the key themes of the film, I think, that um, that that central relationship between Mac and Ansel is a really interesting dynamic. Um, and it really it really provides the the drama in the film. I think I know that you've got the, the helicopter and, you know, some of the stunt work in this is, is really good, particularly for the era. I mean, obviously there's no CGI in it. It's all real helicopters, real people running down real mountains with their hands behind their back, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. in fields that are set alight and, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's really happening what you're seeing, which I find, I always find quite impressive. Yeah. Um, even if, even if the explosions are not as ex- as exciting as a CGI explosion, you know, they're not as big. I still think there's something just more. Well, they're, more about. they're more exploding, aren't they? Yeah, well, they're they're like, just real, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, something. There's danger. There's real threat, and I think, I think this film has threat within it, which I think is, is quite good. But um, with, without, without that dynamic, and they almost have to be polar opposites. I mean, th- there's a little bit of an insight into Ansel when he is describing his time in London as uh, someone who worked at Fortnum and Mason and you you start to think of him as a little bit of a cad or a, a, a dandy perhaps and someone who is you know a bit of a ladies man and so perhaps isn't the innocent or the um the weak-willed as you as he is as he's portrayed at the start he's just bewildered at the situation but I think as the film goes on when he is required to make those intelligent decisions i.e to distract the helicopter so Matt can fire it, um, to, um, uh, to not take the food that will upset to, the woman. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. You realise that there's more about him than is actually being shown, or, 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 or that you think there is. Whereas I don't think there is any more to Mac. I think Mac is what Mac is, and that's it. Um, and even when he's talking about having his wife um, under the bandstand, or behind the bandstand, it's it it's i feel that even that is that feels quite sounds slightly contradictory but that feels quite innocent in in a way that it's mac being a man as it were um in in the era that it was so it's it's consistent with his kind of personality i think you know women should be where they are men do this um we've got to keep on pushing he's quite a propulsive force in that regard whereas ansel is a thoughtful individual and that that relationship i think is what drives the film more than the action although without the action there isn't really much to it now uh, no you shouldn't judge a film um adaptation with a book because they're different things but in the book um the 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 helicopter oddly the helicopter aspect is is very prominent because Ansel has to describe in his internal monologue the action so there are long passages in the book about the helicopter and what it's doing and really the book almost is the 
is about the helicopter and Ansel. Mac's just there, okay. which is weird. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the film, I think, is much more about Ansel and Mac, and the helicopter is the thing that binds them together. Yeah. So that's that's quite interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because again, to, yeah, to me, it felt like. For all we know, the helicopter pilot is just doing his job. He's just yes, hovering exactly. over them because yes. the radio says, keep an eye on keep, them. Keep an eye on them. Yeah, his, co- his, his, yeah. his co-worker's been killed. Um, and he's and he's probably thinking, oh, blimey. Um, and then it says, Farron, we don't know there is an actual duel. It's all Mac projecting onto the helicopter, all this malevolence and all this. And again, the, the fact that Mac chose in the end to to take, to choose almost certain death to fight the helicopter for that me that had the the feel of like you know the aging gunfight like he really had nothing left to offer he'd yeah. he'd got ansel to safety that he'd kind of done his big job because it was like he had to prove he could get there and he'd done it but i don't know whether he was speaking about his wife in the past tense but he said his daughters were grown up and didn't need him anymore it was yeah, like that's right. he's reached you know the end of what he considers i guess his viable time he's not he's, useful anymore is he he's not useful anymore, and therefore He's going to go out in a blaze of glory, taking on yeah. something he considers to be his big adversary, yes. even though it could just be a helicopter pilot. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, I, I think that's that's why that's how, in some respects, Ansel has ended up with him, not through a conscious decision. I, I think that what's happened is that Mac n- knows that this is his last chance to do something. Well, I don't mean at the end. I mean, I mean, almost at the start when you see them running along the beach. You know nothing about it as as the film progresses. I'm almost imagining a scene before the start of the film. You know when Mac jumps off a truck, as you say. Yeah, you know it's, yeah. it's it's driving through the jungle and he jumps off a truck and maybe Ansel falls off as well or something. And that's it. Mac's like, right, I'm off. This is my chance. Ansel's yeah. got to go with him. He's reluctant. He doesn't want to. But you don't see that obviously. But it's kind of realised at the end where. There's no reason for Mac to go and fire at the pilot, to fire at the helicopter. He's safe. But yeah. I think for me, what's what lies beyond the border for Mac is probably nothing. Right? Okay. It's, it, it, he, his, his children don't need him anymore. Maybe maybe his wife isn't interested anymore. He's, he's, uh, he's getting on in terms of whatever it is that he's been doing. If he's a military man, you know, he's, he's not young anymore. He's probably at the end of his viable use in a lot of different ways. It's almost suicidal um, what he's done. Ansel wants to get to the border. Yes. I don't think Matt does. He just wants to escape. Okay, yeah. That's um, a good point, yeah. So they're slightly diff- they have slightly different approaches. I think once Ansel realises that he needs to stick with Mac because he's lonely or he's scared or whatever, that creates that different dynamic. But if we were privy to the decisions before the film started, I think, Ma- I think Ansel finds himself in this situation uh, of Mac's doing um, through no fault of his own almost. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd definitely go along with that. And in fact, yeah, the, um, the fact that it even changes because, uh, you know, he's, he's called... Uh, Mac is well. We only find out their names half of the film because they don't yeah, refer to them. Yeah. So he calls it. He calls him boy for for a lot of it, or pocket billiards, which I quite like. Yeah, uh, come on, pocket yes. billiards. Yeah. Um. And and it's only in the end of the film was Ansel and Mac and and start to to dehumanise. And they think he calls him pocket billiards later as a kind of a sign of affection rather than insult. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. But uh, they, 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 there was there was a, they, there was an arc of them bonding together. It's not they are not close colleague comrades at the start. It has no, to happen on the journey. Yeah. 
Yeah, it does. And the journey does it does enable that to happen. So that there's, as you say, the, the, the point. Yeah, before, they, before we know, it could have been like 10 of them running away. Eight of them get gunned down right away. Oh, we don't know. Yeah, we have no survivors. idea, do we? we yeah, exactly. It's that kind of, they are just, they're literally thrown together. It's not, yeah, they may not even said a word to each other before it happens. They, they may not know each other. You're right. I mean. Because Ansel, you know. Ansel, Mac is making lots of assumptions about Ansel. He's, he's saying, oh, I bet you grew up, I bet you grew up in the city. I bet you never even saw yeah. a cow. I bet you grew up in the being bottle fed and this kind of stuff. Yeah. He doesn't know anything. He's just looking at him and making assumptions, as is Ansel on mac so it's 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 yeah it's um it's and, it, and they do change they, they, i suppose they they change in that you know towards the end of the film they are having each other's back you know um, they are um ansel lets mac go off and kill someone with his bare feet that's yeah. a very dangerous thing for mac to do you know he doesn't he might yeah. get that he might go horribly wrong yeah and get and get you know killed doing himself but by the end of it um ansel is prepared to kind of compromise himself and go and kill someone because yeah. They're working as a team now. He has to do it. And 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 at the end, they they are not only are they working as a team for the purpose of whatever their goal is, um, which we we never really know. It's just to get to the mountains. But they're also working as a team in terms of their compassion for each other. Yeah. You know. So it's it's the um it's the hugs and the you sleep and we'll get to this place. We'll look after each other. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? You know. You realise that they are actually reliant dependent on each other not just for the goal of the task but also because it's important for them to rely on each other but what what's so what what i quite like about this conversation that we're happening now not to not to um, blow our own trumpets i don't mean it like that but but what i quite like about this conversation is what i think i like about the film in that because it does not present you with any prior knowledge or context and doesn't really give you much context in the film at all what you do whether you mean to or not is you build that context in those characters so yes, everything we're talking about here we have no evidence for yeah yes exactly that you're, you're looking for some rationality to it yeah you are and so you're building it's quite clever in that regard because i, I when i was watching a film i felt that i was building characters from before the film started and giving them meaning which made me closer to the characters even though i have just made that up nothing was presented (laughs) to me so i I was quite i felt quite close to them about halfway through the film i was really willing them to you know succeed in whatever it is that they were doing because i'd built up this um i built up this story this this theatrical story prior to how the film was about why they were what they were and why they were where they were right and um, what the what the black helicopter was, and what who who the who the soldiers were, right? I'd built that up in my head, thinking this is why they're doing this. I don't know if it's true or not, but for some reason that helped me connect with the characters. And I didn't do it consciously, I don't think. I mean, there was a part, there was some consciousness there, but it was broadly just I need to understand what these characters are doing, so I'm going to fill in the blanks. And that's what we've done in that conversation just now. We filled in the blanks. Yeah, but that's quite a risk for the film to take because it, it could just leave the audience thinking, I don't know anything about this, I'm off. I suppose it could, and maybe that is... And, and I, I maybe it's what I've heard of, yeah. Yeah, I can't think of... I can't think of many films. I mean, who who knows? Right? My, my knowledge of 60s films isn't, you know, incredible yeah. outside of the, 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 the big classics, but I can't think of many films before this or even since where there really isn't any context... Right. Where they, I mean, there really isn't any context at all. It's just you just dropped right into the point at which you, n- normally in a film you're, you're dropped into the story at the start. And I think here you're dropped into the story halfway through. Yeah, I think it's actually quite restrained of the uh, of the, the filmmakers that 
Um, I mean, they had a conversation about the war, which is which is quite clearly the Second World War because the way it was referred to and this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's nowhere where they sit down and say, what do you think about this current state of affairs? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, in the, in the conversation. Oh, that would have ruined it. That yeah, but, but it. it's like that thing you'd have to do is like, you know, to, to illustrate what's going on. And they didn't do that for you know, a very good reason. Um, but it would be so tempting to say, let's just take this moment to fill the audience in about what the hell's happening, because that would have a dated it, it and, be, and be changing it because it's 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 very timeless. Now, the movie, you, obviously, the clothes and the actors and the, the some of the refer- yeah, references, yeah. Like, they age the film, but they don't age it as bad as saying, well, when the Russians attacked, God, blimey. Oh, heck. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I yeah, I agree with you. I think if they had put some of that context in and described it, it would have taken me totally out out of the film because what I had built up would have been shattered. So what if the film had said that they were actually, um, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. They were um, drug traffickers. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, it would. I'm not saying that you can't have compassion or you don't connect to the characters because they're drug traffickers, but it would have changed well, the way that I perceive the film. Questions like, well, how do they get to be drug traffickers? How do yeah, they... exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and why am I? And if they are drug traffickers, why am I rooting for them over the black helicopter? Right. I, I don't know why the reason is why we'd be doing that. So I think it was sensible to keep that away. The other thing you mentioned, which I think is quite true as well is that because there isn't context and because the, the the landscape in it is 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 almost timeless really it it hasn't it has elements of science fiction as well yeah yeah i felt uh, that too yeah you know i mean like um a, a, a kind of like a, a not a fanciful science fiction not a space opera type thing but something that might be set in the near future almost because yeah. although the, although the the um the wardrobe, you know, the clothes that that they're that they're wearing are are obviously of a time. It, it could be an alternate reality, an alternate time, or or in the near future it was set. And I I thought that when the when the the, the border garrison was exactly shown, that. yeah, well, they I looked, yeah, looked otherworldly. Yeah, very much so. And I thought it when the garrison wasn't shown when they first arrived, saying, oh, "Yes, is that it? Yeah. Is that it? We've we yeah. reached it. What's that? Is that one of ours?" If it had been a spaceship, I wouldn't have been surprised. Like yes, a really right. clunky, yeah. Yeah. Um, homemade spaceship. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it you was, can you can believe that, can't you? Yeah, um, because uh, they had been such an open book until that point. Anything was possible. But but what what I what's I suppose what I I'm keen to hear your thoughts on this because. And I may be I may be wrong this, but I my, my understanding here is that you you're you know, you're a very you you like a plot, don't you? You're, you, you you like a good plot, right? I like, I mean, good, we plot, all like yeah. good plot. You like a good plot. You 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 like to immerse yourself in. You like to get into the nitty gritty of the 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 twists, um, the the twists and, and turns. Yeah. yeah, you like that. Yeah. There isn't a plot in this, really. I know. I was thinking. And, I was. I was thinking afterwards. You couldn't have dug a bigger bear pit for me than yeah, exactly. such a film that has yeah, no yeah. plot. Absolutely. And and, and um, so yeah, just interested in what you feel about that because although it's got no plot, there's. Yeah. I think there's a lot in it that's 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 worth worth engaging in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even yeah. though it's even though it's not plot. Yeah. I get so a couple of points on that. Um, yeah, firstly, <laughs> I've never had fewer notes on a film. Yeah, me too. This. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, even I think the first thing is the negative one is that yeah. we we've said it's an open book and it's ambiguous, which is great. Um, but I felt we could have done with just knowing the rules of engagement a bit more, and I think that was a bit of a letdown. It was. Um, if we'd just known that, you know, the helicopter's pinning them and there'll be guards there within the hour or something like that, if like mm. 
because at the moment it just it's over them and they're like oh it's toying with her and we don't know what happens they just run away from it again it's it's, it's a it's a malevolent presence but we don't know what that actually means and i think they could have gone more on that without having to build the world around it without, without sacrificing that ambiguity yeah. they could have laid down the rules of engagement likewise to the mountains we don't need to know what's there but we i think it would have helped to know that getting there is an overwhelming yeah. goal it's not just get over the mountains and we see it's downhill all the way from here i'd like to have yeah. known that getting there is the final push because yeah so i think yeah, because, adding uh, in, uh, yeah adding the way the film is filmed uh, you you only realize through their descriptions that the mountain is the goal yeah but yeah. why yeah so it's so that i think that would have helped with the the way the because it's all about the characters that would have helped with the characters and their decisions and our emotions with them without having to sacrifice the ambiguity so i think that was a slip of the film i think we could have used a bit more of knowing what the hell things mean mm. um because like when they kill the goat herd it's like well you know and when, when there's a hue and cry when they attack the village it's like what what is this what is this triggering does that mean that yeah. the garrison will come yeah. back is the helicopter coming back what, yeah you know, is it going to be yeah exactly is there another helicopter <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um so things like that so that was that was one thing with it with the plot light the other thing was you're right even though there's no plot there's definitely a bell curve of of the characters here yeah. where they start off again it's it's they start off at a low point they're exhausted they're tied up they don't trust each other and they they move up um from you know from the fact they won't support each other the fact they are starting to back each other they get free they get supplies mm. they get arms they actually forge a, a, a kind of um uh, a conscious alliance rather than being thrust together yes. they talk to them and say okay i have decided that i'm sticking with yeah. you and that's and that's another high point and then um again when they get so they they're in really good shape after the film and then it goes yeah. down and not only even though they're well, it's kind of the, also the graph splits at this point. Their, their fortunes go way down. They lose everything. They yeah. get more exhausted, more bond. They lose more possessions. And they've got, you know, the, the journey seems impossible. But yet their friendship is actually continuing on the upward yeah. curve. Yeah. Um, and so that even though their fortunes are now gone from bad to good to bad, their their bonding is good to, is from bad to good to better. So um, that divides there. Yes. So this, that's a yeah, really good point. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Um, which I guess is how all films do. You have to have an all lost moment when, it, when it's all despair and they, they pull together. Yeah. Um, and I think actually the yeah the quite clearly when they're attacked is is something of an all is lost moment and they they're forced to more desperate measures. But I think knowing what that means, knowing that say you know we don't have enough food to make it up the mountain or something like that, yeah. would have helped me lock on a bit more because at the moment it just seems like bad thing after bad thing is being lumped yeah. on top of them and yeah. I don't know when enough bad things are happen to end it for them so that's my thoughts on on how they went about the plot so generally good I, I, the dialogue i think could have used another pass it's it's very naturalistic um yeah but you can be naturalistic and also kind of have an ear for dialogue and i think yeah. i could have done with that I, I thought it was a bit arch myself the dialogue so it's, it's one of the things where they, there's not there's not a huge amount of diet well actually there is quite a lot of dialogue in it and um yeah. there is and i don't think there needs to be so um, I think I, I, I tend to agree with you about providing just enough information to understand the purpose. I don't need to know about the characters. I don't need to know why they find themselves in the situation. But I think it would it would have helped me to it would have it, it would have elevated the film if I had got some semblance of a, a, the outcome or what was at stake or what might happen as a consequence of some things happening, which is never really explained. Um, yeah. So I, I agree with that. I, I also think that, that there's, for a film that has no context, there is a lot of talking. <laughs> and um, I, 
I'm not sure. I, I wonder whether there is perhaps a little bit too much dialogue. Um, and it sounds weird in a film with just two people because there can only be dialogue, surely. But I think in the context of the characters, I would have preferred com- almost complete mystery. I don't think we needed much about um, Ansel's time in London. I don't think we needed much about uh, Mac's uh, wife and children, really. I would. I, I, I almost wanted it to go whole hog and almost be wordless yeah um but with a little bit more knowledge about what was at stake right that i think that if they realign that balance a little bit i think you've got a classic um and as it is i think there's just there's a little bit there's a little bit too much talking and and a little bit too too much um confusion yeah, that's interesting because it's a couple of things occurred to me with that is that I guess at the similar time or a little bit later you had Fistful of Dollars come out, which was yeah. it's kind of the ultimate yeah. protagonist never says a word, and yet people project so much onto him they love yes. it. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which you could have had you could have had this one if you if you because again, um I mean when Max says, you know, after he's killed the guy, I shouldn't have had to do that alone. It was messy. I hate a messy killing. Yeah. That speaks volumes about a character, it does. more so it than does. than any when he goes on a long soliloquy about his past. Absolutely, and you, and that's exactly what I mean. I don't mean to yes, I don't mean that the film should be wordless. I guess because yeah. that would be a very different film. But that sentence tells you so much about Mac. You don't yeah. need anything else. Yeah, and actually, Ansel's previous no is so yeah. vociferous and so yes. like I'm not going to do it. Yeah, um, that's again very revealing. As as is as is his odd use of the word lonely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so. He, I, this is what I mean. You don't need you don't need to strip the dialogue back to nothing, but equally it, it, it almost maybe this is Robert Shaw being the author in adapting the the uh, the book to the to the screen is trying to he's he's almost he's he's ad libbing he's ad libbing in it he's um he's giving he's giving too much he's telling you how he feels yeah. he's telling you what's happening and i don't think you need that as you say i shouldn't have had to do that myself i hate a messy killing is that if that was if that's all he said at that point that's so powerful yeah that's, so, that's such a powerful statement you don't need anything else um so it kind of it, it loses it a bit for that for me i think yeah um and the thing was again um very unfair comparison but when you think of previous again um robert shaw dialogues or monologues um there's like some very strong ones in other films where you think oh that's when the character you know, camera did the big push in yeah. caught caught yeah. the performance and what he was saying was so resonating it kind yeah. of it sticks me in. um what's his name the uh quint quint's dialogue yeah, in jaws quint. is the, is yeah the, when on the boat. classic one yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The that's absolute classic isn't it yeah, yeah. Um, so anything else from that just feels like kind of weak source if if the dialogue isn't written up to scratch and also that if the because also um when they, when he was doing this dialogue the camera is still quite in is panned back a bit you get yeah. still get the landscape and the, the camera yeah. the, the director is getting landscapes in every possible yeah, shot so you get quite a a pushback of of robert shaw doing his what is actually a quite a personal dialogue and i was thinking if you'd had it right up close so that you're you know you're nose to nose with him as the rain's dripping off his face and you see yeah. that the man is alive and robert shaw is giving it all because he can and he's talking about his wife it might have been a very different experience yeah that's true yeah uh, I, and it, I i think also the um, this is probably had to be but it, it it sounded like it was dubbed as well so it sounded like it was recorded in the studio and then dubbed yeah. over the, the the talking i mean you know you can imagine that if they're shooting shooting on location and 
most of the camera work is from a helicopter um but that kind of i think that takes you out of it a little bit because you're you're almost getting a crystal clear piece of dialogue for someone who's you know 300 meters away yes, you think yes. well that's weird <laughs> and it's almost too clipped in that regard um yeah yeah a couple of the other things i just wanted to mention briefly um the one of the other stars of the film, I suppose, is the the landscape, as it were. It's, it's called, you know, figures in a landscape. I quite, um, I quite like the way that the film um, portrays the movement of the, the the two protagonists through the landscape. It, 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 it's not always clear how they do that, but it does. It poses questions for you. So I, 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 I was asking myself questions around things like. How, how do they move through the terrain you know those things kind of build up in you how do they use the terrain to their advantage or how is the terrain used to their disadvantage on some occasions um how does their antagonist use it to help identify them and um you know deal deal with them as well and this is where i think the um their kind of relationship to the environment around them works quite well um and and based on that I, i i always i almost felt that they were they didn't really know or Mac, I suppose, didn't really know what was what he was doing, what he was expecting, or what he was waiting for. I guess in some respects, um, and so the it, it felt like a little bit of a um, almost like a, a, an action thriller or a science fiction version of something like Waiting for Godot, in the sense that the the thing that they want to happen never really appears; it never materializes, okay. unless the thing is that Mac needs to have some kind of retribution or revenge or he just needs to go out in a blaze of glory i don't know what it is yeah. but it, it feels unfulfilled yeah i was wondering about again we mentioned he was projecting onto the helicopter and he, yeah, he had one last guessing but maybe again we this is this is where it comes into projecting onto the character because he gives so little away but the fact he was nearly killed by the helicopter seems to rattle him so much yeah and maybe the fact is the first time he's been truly faced with his mortality mm. or something or maybe he's been so capable as a soldier he's never really been tested until this moment and it it upset him that something yeah. could have come so close just taking his life like that and he took it personally yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely um the other thing that kind of I, I think lends the view of the film in my mind as being a borderline science fiction film is the use of music yeah. as well. Um, so it has. So um, the the opening sequence of the film is um, even before you see Mac and Ansel running on the beach is of the 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 viewpoint the viewpoint from the um, helicopter the vantage point of the helicopter um flying th- through and between the mountains um and it reminded me of the start of the shining um which has an aerial view of of um the uh, the car driving through the mountains to the o- to the um the um what is it called the over the over I can't remember what the name of the hotel is. Anyway, the hotel in The Shining. But the music in it is very um, discordant. Yes. It's got a kind of mix. It, it feels like a borderline horror film kind of soundtrack. Very, very Christoph Penderecki, um, very modernist. Um, it's classical, but it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's very disconcerting, I find. And it's only really heard when the helicopter is on screen. Yeah, yeah. It's the theme tune to the helicopter. <laughs> yeah, and again, the um, you know, helicopters technology was limited, budgets were limited. Yeah, and there was no CGI, so I think they did a very good job of making what is essentially, you know, a very 
uh, at the moment now not scary helicopter yeah. into a thing of menace yeah de- yeah definitely did that the way that that was filmed and yeah i think i think that was that was quite clever and anything else from your perspective uh no no further things on the themes they're good uh we could go into films that are similar to this. Yes, let's do that then. Your thoughts on films that are similar? Again, apart from all the ones we already, already reviewed, like Runaway Train yeah. and The Hero, I suppose things like the Defiant ones. That's oh, the, yeah, that's Tony good, yeah. Curtis, yep. Party one, which again, it's, yes. I mean, now, now you start thinking about this, it's not an uncommon trope of, again, just two men two, yeah, thrust two men, together yeah. against yeah. the wilderness. It's almost, there's, there's the comedy odd couple relationships, and then there's the survival against all odds odd couple yeah. relationships. And yeah. Those are the two things that the, that the films can lean on. You're right. Uh, the the um the other one in that would be the the comedy odd couple one, other than the odd couple. Yeah. Um, what's uh, Midnight Run with um yes, yes Robert yeah. De Niro and Charles Durning? Yeah, That's right, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, yes, is another example of that. I I had um I had Runaway Train and I had mentioned it before. I had Duel as well, the Spielberg yes. film. Um, which I think you know you replaced the helicopter for the truck. I think you've got the same film basically. I mean, yeah, well, not quite the same film, but the same principle. There's one other film that um is is not as well known, but I I saw a few years ago, which I think is a really good film. It's called Essential Killing, okay. um, and uh, it stars um Vincent Gallo. So it's a it was made in 2011, and it's about um Vincent Gallo plays a Taliban fighter who has killed a number of American soldiers and is arrested and escapes through um, the Polish um, countryside in the middle of winter. And it's it's the story. How does he get to Poland? Well, he's he's trans he's transferred to Poland. He's, okay. like, he's already killed these American soldiers. He's transferred to Poland to a to a camp. Oh, I see. He escapes yeah. and then has to get he has to get to. Um, safety through this oh, kind wow. of horrendous endurance and it's one of those things that i mentioned earlier which is what if mac and ansel were drug runners you know would yeah, you have yeah. the same compassion for them i don't know well in in this <laughs> killing you actually feel quite a lot of compassion for the characters despite him being a taliban terrorist um because actually the principle is survival yeah, and yeah. it's interesting what vincent gallo had to go through in that now that's probably even more extreme than figures in a landscape because it is just him in the wilderness so there is almost no there's 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 almost no talking once it gets out into wilderness it's literally just him and he is handcuffed with his hands behind his back as well he doesn't have any shoes on and he's going through the snowbound polish landscape it's quite an extraordinary film by extraordinary i don't mean that it's a classic but it's just one of those films that you watch it and you think how the hell did they film this yeah how did they film this so it's it's worth it's worth watching um it's worth watching as a companion piece i think um yeah so with that any further thoughts before we move to our scores well i have one final question for you actually i I know that this was (laughs) this was date night movie for you and the good (laughs) doors um and i always I always worry a little bit when date night movies are filmed in the comments that I've chosen. But I, I, it, it, any thoughts from the missus? Um, well, it wasn't horrific. I always don't <laughs> show it. <laughs> I would say, again, uh, not hugely impressed. Uh, I think oh, okay. maybe the the dearth of plot might have a lot to do with it. Okay, fair, fair enough. That's yes. fair enough, isn't it? Right then, well, I think we're done, aren't we? We are. So uh, join us after a brief break where we shall compose ourselves to give us the scores and learn, crucially, what we'll be watching in October. Welcome back as we scramble up the final foothill that will lead to 
safety of men in ski goggles or certain death by a little helicopter. Uh, <laughs> we have come to the conclusion of this episode where we will give our scores out of five disembodied Crombie heads. Uh, James, would you like to lead us off? Yeah. So I, um, I wasn't sure what to give this film. Um, I like the film a lot. I think it's got a lot going for me. I think it's a really interesting film. I like the way that it's presented. I like the, I like the absence of context to a large extent, although I, I do think that, that a, a, a little bit of information here and there wouldn't have gone amiss. I think that, that the film is flawed. It, it's it's uh, oddly dialogue heavy for a film that I don't think needs to be. And I think that, you know, if, if it was stripped back a little bit, maybe it would be more impactful. Having said that, if it was stripped back, I think it would be an absolute classic and would be much more well known. Um, I think I'm going to give it. You know what? I'm going to give it four disembodied Crombie heads because it's stuck in the mind. And I think I might come back to it in the future as well. So I'm going to give it four disembodied Crombie heads. Very good. Um, the four heads and stuck in the mind after a stroke. So you know, that's got to be a bonus. Exactly. Month, right? If you can <laughs> yeah, remember yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll be perpetually remembering this film. Stuck on a loop and it's burned into the cortex. Now it's the only thing you'll ever remember. <laughs> Yeah, porn stuck on the loop. Why does it have to be this? <laughs> Actually, that would be hell. Uh, so uh, for myself, um, this was, again, an interesting film where I was relying on the conversation to help me make my mind up because I didn't I didn't yeah. like, write down how I feel about it as soon as I finished watching it. I needed to percolate. Um, I I think I'd agree with a lot of it. I think it's it's interesting. And it was, again, as as we always give props to, it was clearly trying something. It was going yeah. for it. It was it, they definitely had an idea and a theme and my goodness they went to it to the hilt um strong performance from the actors again especially as they, they were both relatively new on film on film um and yeah it's it's a film that sticks with you i think it is again flawed i think you're right the uh, both the dialogue and indeed the plot could have been sharpened and there was there's some elements in the flow of it that just again it's just a polish would have would have kept the further coming. The arc was generally good, but I felt at some points it was a bit disjointed in, in how it could went through. So I'm going to give it three disembodied crombies. I think it's 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 a noble effort, but uh, not one I'd probably return to in a hurry. I think that's fair as well. I think I, I was I was if we were giving halves, I would have given it three and a half. I was I was yeah. teetering on the brink of the three and a four. But yeah, this, I, I um I don't know. There's something about watching a film that is very distinctive and unusual that i'm probably more likely to be kind to because it's yeah. giving it a go if it's giving it a go you know if it's just rubbish and fair enough so in which case yeah i think that's fair very good well Absolutely. this is exciting isn't it because it's october <laughs> next month it's october. Isn't it? we're running out we're running out of films for this year now we are we're going to have practical magic too or something is that what it's going <laughs> to be for practical october? magic <laughs> tell us you put us out of our misery i need misery okay there'll be no misery for um <laughs> october's film and we'll say no more, other than um, this year has seemed to be marked by us mirroring the films. You did a fantasy film, I did a fantasy film, this kind of mm. stuff. You did a, a film full of landscape and mountains, and I have chosen, um, well in advance of knowing anything you did, our film next uh, month will be Cliffhanger. Oh, Cliffhanger. Very good. So um, in advance, a little snippet before next month, I went to see Cliffhanger at the cinema when it was released. As did I. <laughs> not at the same time in the same cinema no. unless some wild coincidence was happening where you were visiting Cardiff at that time and or, or you were visiting rooms. Ealing 
Exactly. It's like, well, who's, who's, who's making that noise in the front seat? Bloody people. Um, ah, and of course, of course, it's our annual John Lithgow film. Oh, of course. Yeah, we go. I've already given away one of the reasons why I picked it. We can't not have a John Lithgow so, film. This means that I can now knock off one of my films <laughs> of my last film because I was just waiting to see. <laughs> it's good because, uh, um, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. the John Lithgow stakes. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's fine. That's fine. Very good. So with that... Um, Hopefully we'll all be here uh, this time next month for we wish you and indeed ourselves a very happy and healthy weekend at Crombie's. Evening all. Weekend at Crombie's. Very good. That was enjoyable. Thanks, you. I, f- I felt like I've managed all right during that. You did. You, did, were, I did. you led me through well. <laughs> I did no more than usual, so that was all right. <laughs> so it's basically you, you I'm didn't, like, the, drift I'm, off and like, do your shopping list in the middle of it so that was good <laughs> it's nice to know that i am usually at the level of a stroke victim then <laughs> if if you, i've had a i've had a minor stroke and there is observably no, no difference <laughs> <laughs> oh great